Homestyle Green, episode number 34. Who are you going to call if you want a passive house in New Zealand? Welcome back to Homestyle Green. I'm your host, Matthew Cutler-Welsh, and this is episode number 34. I am a sustainable housing expert, and you are someone who wants to help me on my mission to help create homes that are good for people and good for the planet. Pretty exciting week, and yes, it's passive house time again. It was a pretty hot discussion last time, and it's carried on. So thank you to all who have contributed comments and perspectives on the passive house and its relevance to New Zealand and also to the world. Um, very interesting conversations, both on homestylegreen.com and elsewhere. Um, the the debate flowed over to uh, LinkedIn and EcoBob and a few other places as well, and we'll continue, no doubt, um, continually getting getting tweets and emails and various correspondence with with differing views on uh, the relevance of passive house. But I'm speaking to someone today who is very keen on passive house. So keen, in fact, they are the first company in New Zealand to only build to the passive house standard. So all of their houses that they're going to build are going to be passive house standard, at least. Um, but I will let John Iliff of E House explain more in just a few moments. Before we get into that, though, a few notices. Been a very exciting week. I now, after a bit of procrastination, have a mailing list for Homestyle Green and would love to get you um, into the tribe, into the community. And all you need to do to head to uh, to do that is to head on over to homestylegreen.com. Um, if it's your, if you scroll down on the screen, a little window should pop up, and you can pop your email address in there, and then I will know who you are. And I'm really keen. I know, like, this is pretty the done thing these days. Get an email list and and then um, send a message, send a newsletter out each week. I'll probably be doing that uh, to keep people informed of what's going on. But I want it to be more than just an email list for my benefit. I really want to find out from yourselves and the whole community what's going on out there. What are the needs? What are the big issues? Um, how can I help and how can other people help? So um, please do join up. I, I don't want to be a uh, – it's not going to be a long, um, salesy, pestering kind of email. It's uh, more of a way that I can get in touch with people and have a conversation without having to necessarily rely on Facebook or Twitter or even the website, which I know can be a little bit um, time-consuming if you want to leave a comment or get a, get some feedback there. So love you to head on over. Otherwise, you can just email me, comments at homestylegreen.com, and I will sign you up. be great to have you on board. Um, and thank you for all those that have joined that community already. I was uh, quite blown away, and it's, uh, it's very humbling to have people join me already. So thank you very much. And while I've got a, a, some specific shout-outs, actually. Um, firstly, Ben Adam-Smith, who you may have heard from episode 27. Thank you, uh, Ben. Ben's uh, very good on Twitter, he, and uh, so thanks, Ben, for all the retweets and mentions. 
and uh, and for the feedback. If you haven't checked out Ben's site, then head to houseplanninghelp.com. He's got some great resources over there. And also check out Ben's journey to create some more video content. His uh, background's in media production. If you haven't heard episode 27, definitely head back and uh, and listen to that because he's, he's got some uh, some great insights from the UK. But he's also creating some um, some video content about helping people to build better houses. So that's all good. Thank you also, Elrond. Uh, continues to be a great supporter, both on the Twitter sphere, Facebook, and uh, Google+. He's all over the place, Elrond. Um, if you didn't catch that interview, that was the one that kind of sparked off a lot of the uh, Passive House debate. So you can find that on episode 30. Um, I made a comment recently about new houses and the quality of those new houses in Auckland, and Elrond responded, um, M. Cut the Welsh, uh, sprawling houses, sprawling suburbs are just not sustainable on the whole, even with good quality homes. Um, so thanks for that comment, Elrond, and like always, some very insightful comments and, and uh, straight to the point as you need to be on Twitter. My Twitter tag, by the way, at M Cutler Welsh, or one word, M C U T L E R W E L S H. Would love to have you um, follow and uh, also join the conversation there as well. Another shout out to Barb Cooper. These are all people who joined up to the the mailing list in the community already. So um, another good reason to join up is that uh, they're in there and you can um, probably get in touch with them. As well, Barb Cooper, episode nine, uh, has started a new business and very exciting. I hope to get Barb back on the show to talk about that business. Uh, it's basically, just, well, it is, the name of the business is Sustainable Landscapes and she's very excited to be out there buying plants. She emailed me today and said she's very excited to be doing the things that she loves, which is gardening and buying plants and getting paid to do that. So um, sustainablelandscapes.co.nz, I don't think the site's quite live yet, but if you're planning a house and need some landscaping help, then Barb Cooper is the person to go to. Um, Finally, Duncan Firth, thank you very much for your positive feedback. Duncan wrote uh, wrote in by email and said, hey, Matthew, thanks for creating an interesting blog. Uh, The content's very useful and easy to follow. That's great to hear. Very nice to get some good feedback, uh, and and also just get to get feedback in general. To nice to know you that uh, it's not just me blabbering away to a microphone down in the uh, down in the cave down here. Um, all right, moving along. Uh, got some upcoming events. Very excited to be going to Wellington this week. Actually, to be speaking at the New Zealand Green Building Council Green Room. Um, I'm going to be talking about the Homestar Design Rating. This is Homestar Version 2. Uh, you can get design rating for your house now. So if you've got a plan and you're wondering how it might score in Homestar, the best time to do that is as early as possible. And there's some really cool features that we've put into Homestar now, which uh, the one that I think is the coolest is the fact that you can use it as a bit of a cost benefit of looking at uh, ways to improve the thermal envelope of the building and see what that will actually do to the heat load or the the expected running costs, particularly for the heater. And I think it's a really valuable tool because a lot of people want to know, well, I could up-spec everything, but what sort of return is that going to be and, and how do I know whether that's going to be a good investment or not? So that's possible now in the design with the design rating. 
Um, and if you don't, if you're a designer, architect, builder, has got a clue what you're talking about, if you ask for a Homestar rating, then either direct them to homestar.org.nz, email me, or find a new builder. Um, the and I'll also be talking about the multi-unit tool, which um, is essentially the same tool, but allows you to rate uh, allows apartment buildings and attached dwellings to be rated alongside detached buildings. So that's all exciting. Um, we've also got Homestar training coming up as well in Wellington in a few weeks. So if you're an architect or a designer or someone interested in the industry and you want to do this a bit more professionally and add that to your existing service, then um, check that out. You can find out information about that Homestar training at the NZGBC website, um, nzgbc.org.nz. One other thing that I'll mention, uh, it's not on until later in the year in October, but Go Green Expo. It's a new expo, um, but check that out. They've got a great web page and that promises to be quite a good little expo. So that's one to pencil in the diary and look out for that. All right, enough of that. We need to get on to this week's interview, which is, as I mentioned, John Iliff, who is from eHouse. But he hasn't always been from eHouse. He's done all sorts of other interesting things, like working for Rolls-Royce. And he um, they've started eHouse, which is New Zealand's first company solely catering to Passive House Standard. And I've also asked John, as I do with a lot of people about Passive House, quizzed him quite explicitly about why he thinks Passive House is relevant to New Zealand. So here you go. Have a listen, and I will catch you up after the interview. All right, Matthew Cutler Welsh here for Homestyle Green, and I'm speaking today with John Iliff down in Wanganui. How are you doing, John? I'm very well, thank you, Matthew. Now, John is the technical director of EcoBuild Developments, and their public uh, place that they're probably more known for is the company eHouse. So, John, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and why you do what you do and, and sort of include what inspired you to, uh, to be doing what you're doing now? Okay. My background is uh, mechanical engineering, and I've worked for many years I'm involved in design and R&D. And the last job I had was working for Rolls-Royce Motorcars, involved in their interior wood trim setting up new production facilities and planning. Yeah. Um, what motivated me um, to be doing what I'm doing now, which is quite different, um, I spent th- two years sorry, in Europe, um, and it was an opportunity for my family to go over there and meet with relatives. And whilst I was there, um, I was talking with a good friend of mine living in New Zealand called Baden-Brown, and we discussed the possibilities of a new type of building, and it was inspi- inspirational living in Europe, seeing the developments that had happened there since I'd moved to New Zealand 20 years before. And um, so basically over the phone we decided to um, explore and research the possibilities, and that's how EcoBuild was born three years ago. What were some of those changes that you noticed in that 20-year period? The... Really what's happened, and it's been government-driven more than anything in many uh, countries in Europe, is the recognising that we can't continue to do what we've always done. And although um, climate change 
and energy and those things seem to have become quite political, it actually has had a huge impact in what's going on in many countries across Europe. What's inspired me, being an engineer, is what they're talking about is actually doing things better and getting better results and consuming less energy at the same time. And um, I find that really inspirational. Who, so we're still in the UK, who is talking about that? Um, well, the equivalent of brands in the UK, um, the BRE, have actually taken the Passive House um, technology on board and provide training and for, um, facilitating um, that whole introduction. But more than that, um, actual building codes equivalents across Europe um, as a whole are moving towards the energy efficiency standard that Passive House has set. And so it's not one country, it's many countries. Um, and hopefully in this interview we can unpack a little bit more of why they're doing that. Well, I'm I'm interested in that kind of straight away, actually, because just focusing in on that question about that difference, you, you've had the benefit of being there in the past and then going back and seeing the changes. Paint us a picture of some of the, the things on, on the ground day to day. What would you notice specifically in a house that would be different now than it would have been 20 years ago? Yeah, that's a good question. The The first thing that happened in the UK quite some time ago is there, there was the double glazing revolution where a very short period of time all houses pretty much were, the windows were replaced and that um, had some impact. And obviously there's the insulation um, that they have free for pensioners and they do um, free uh, consultancy to see what can be done best. But only in the last four years, I suppose, in the UK, but because I was working for Rolls-Royce, which is owned by BMW, I spent a fair bit of time in Germany. And that country has been quite remarkable in um, what they've managed to achieve um, over a more a prolonged period. Um, but what they're doing year on year is actually consuming less energy than the year before, even though their GDP and things like that is continuing to grow. And so solar and wind power is something very common, but all new houses have to be built to a very high standard um, in terms of energy efficiency. All houses are tested for air tightness, um, which is happening in the UK now as well, amongst other countries. And the, the other thing is that they're actually taking their existing housing stock and systematically working through that to improve it, um, but very much from a scientific base, mm. to understanding what they've got and working through from a scientific base to how can we best improve um, this. And there's significant government um, encouragement to do this. And what I like about that is what they're recognising is that as a country, even though this is costing money, they're going to be saving money. And they're not talking about this year or next year. They're understanding that this is something that rolls on year after year. And once you drive that energy efficiency, everybody is better off. So that's a long-term vision, which is obviously longer than a one election cycle. What is there a, is there a key difference that is facilitating that sort of environment, I, I guess a policy environment and a, um, and a market? Is there one key thing that is driving that? 
legislation. By 1220, all of Europe have to comply with very stringent um, rules for, well, this is particularly talking about buildings, but legislation is what's driving it. Mm. Coming back to New Zealand, what do you think is the biggest problem that we have right now with housing? Um, I love New Zealand very much, and I think the history and heritage that we have is very special. When I look at the houses, and I lived in a house which was built in 1920, um, for the materials that were available at that time, I think it's absolutely brilliant the way that um, the house has been put together and testament that that house is still complete and pretty intact as it was originally built um, nearly 100 years ago. What happened in between um, those early development times, those pioneering times and now, is I believe that um, we've continued to use what we can find locally um, and not really explore any type of technology um, in our housing particularly. And so if you look at the way we're building the houses and what we expect from our houses, sure, it's improved um, and we're talking about double glazing, but from what could be achieved, we're so far away, especially in the colder areas of New Zealand where I think that the current legislation, if you build a code, it's very poor indeed. So we're not exactly building Rolls Royces here. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good link. Um, what I would say is that I am very driven by having simple solutions that will actually give benefits, um, not over the long, long term, but give benefits, you know, within the first year, second year. Um, so we're not talking about um, using exotic materials or um, weird and wonderful or complicated techniques. Mm. What we're doing is applying science that is readily readily available now um, to understand how best to um, have healthy homes. A good indication of that is actually insulation isn't that expensive. And um, so by doubling the insulation in a house, if it's done in the correct way, then obviously the performance and the actual energy to stay warm or cool is radically reduced. Given that we don't have the legislation that's driving change in the UK, is there any hope for us for improving the standard of our houses in New Zealand? Um, that's a good question. Um, I am obviously an optimist. I've started a company which is only building to the passive house standard. Uh, it's the first company to do so in New Zealand. And um, I'm really pleased to say that we are being inundated by demand. And sure, we're only a relatively small company, but you have to start somewhere. But the reality is, and I strongly believe this, that until legislation actually changes, then mainstream, um, it's not going to, um, the most people are not going to adopt this technology. But like double glazed and single glazed windows, so until double glazed windows pretty much became part of common life, then everyone thought single glazing was okay. When the law changed, then it became adopted. It became mainstream. The reality is it's one more piece of glass effectively. And so the costs came tumbling down. That will happen because legislation will continue to drive, but I'm not expecting it to happen next year. You mentioned that you're just starting out as a company uh, and a small company. 
Notably not in arguably the two places that are um, under a housing pressure right now, Auckland or Christchurch, you're based in, in Wanganui. What's your biggest current challenge? Okay. Um, although um, the design hub is based in Wanganui, um, we have builders that we've trained all around the country to be able to build e-house. We've currently got four signed up and working with two other companies at the moment. We haven't branched into the South Island and uh, my heart is very sad about that because the need there is so significant and we are working on um, having our solution available in Christchurch. Um, But the model that we have is enabling us to be able to service the requirement nationally, not just locally. And do you do renovations as well or just new homes? That's a great question um, because we've got our first um, it's called Enerfit, which is basically the passive house standard, but uh, applied to an existing building. And the standards are similar, but it is relaxed a little bit, recognising that it's more challenging to take a building. So we're actually taking a building right in Wanganui, which is, I think it's about 70 years old, and bringing that right up to the Enerfit standard. It's going to be a yoga clinic and a restaurant and series of offices. And the client really wanted a space that was going to be peaceful quiet and not interrupted with heat pumps and noisy things like that. So this standard fits perfectly for them. Will that be the first in New Zealand? It will be. A renovation like that? Yes, it will. Very exciting. Mm. Now, we've talked with other designers on the show. Um, We've had um, uh, Sean, who's done some passive housework with Green Being down in Queenstown. And, of course, we we spoke with Elrond. Uh, in the UK, who's, who's a passive house expert, and I asked them about the cost-benefit question. I'm always interested in this. Do you often have to deal with the cost-benefit question from prospective clients, and, and what do you say to people when they ask about the payback um, on a high-performance house? Yes, obviously money is the driver and always will be, and typically in New Zealand we are wanting to see um, a return on investment, if you like, in terms of our properties Um, as quickly as possible because we don't tend to stay in properties very long. And so this is a very topical question and one certainly that I've been asked. What I am quite pleased to say is most of the clients that we're working with actually are able to understand what we're doing and are very glad that they've actually got an alternative, a good viable alternative to the mainstream way because they can certainly understand that they are going to be saving money. And it's interesting about the cost um, and how we weigh this up. If we're um, looking at maybe a new kitchen, um, then the difference between a 20,000 or 25,000 or a 30,000 kitchen, we buy it because we like it. We know it's going to serve us well and we're going to get pleasure from um, using it. If we think about vehicles, we have that same sort of relationship. And so for me, um, doing a cost-benefit analysis There has been lots of work done on this, and certainly it's easy to prove over time that a passive house will definitely save you money. But what I tend to talk about with clients is what do you actually want a house to do for you? The most critical role for a house is to protect you from the elements. And so if you're able to um, have a house built that is very good at protecting you from the elements, then surely that's a very good choice. So health for your family, having a comfortable environment to live in, 
surely these are the things that should drive that decision, not how much per square meter is it. The second part of that is I would always encourage people to carefully think about the size of their home. Typically in New Zealand, we're living in homes that are far larger than other people's, simply because we can. What I'm saying to prospective clients is, if you're able to shave off a few square meters here and there, then potentially the cost for a certified passive house is exactly the same as a house that's been built to the New Zealand building code. But when you move into the house from day one or month one, when the bills start coming in, potentially you're going to be saving $100 or $150 every month on the running cost, which can be put directly against your mortgage. So you're actually going to be better off financially. And this model has been proved time and time again in Europe by many companies that are only building passive house because they can actually um, have a better revenue from doing that. Um, we caught up last week at the uh, Woofy workshop put on by ProClimate, which I found quite fascinating. Did that change anything for you? Did it challenge anything? Um, or, or were you surprised by anything from that um, workshop? Okay, yeah. So for the listeners, um, Woofy is German software, which is able to predict the moisture loading in a building. And this is particularly pertinent to New Zealand because we do have moisture issues in our homes. And so the clever software is able to um, combine the materials of a building element, say a wall, and then over time you can choose to run the software for three or five years simulation. It's able to, to predict very accurately how much moisture is going to be present in the building fabric from external but more importantly, from internal loading. And this um, is a precursor to things like mould, mildew um, and rot. And obviously, this then leads on to health issues in the home. It wasn't too much of a surprise um, to me on the course. Um, I was more interested in being able to develop those skills um, to ensure the buildings that we're building um, are going to not suffer from those issues. Um, but it's, it's an eye-opener, I suppose, um, when you actually can see that building science is so fundamental to the performance of a home, and largely it's been so ignored in New Zealand. Mm. The, one of the things that you and I discussed, and I was quite surprised to learn from you, were was around just coming back to Passive House, the numbers of Passive House, and also the number that don't end up getting officially certified. How important do you think certification is for Passive House? Yeah, that's a good question too, Matthew. The In Germany, typically, I think it's only something like 5% of the homes that are built to the Passive House standard are certified, partly because they've grown up with it over many years and partly because their building regime, I suppose, if you say you're going to do something, then they tend to do it. Um, in the UK, they're encouraging every passive house to be certified. And we're saying the same thing here. The reason why is it gives you a second opinion. You basically take all of the building details and submit them, send them over to um, Germany, where they're able to scrutinize them, look at the building construction methods, and then verify, yes, you've passed all of the tests. We've got the blower door tests. We've got the ventilation, um, if there's one fitted commissioning report. Um, and so from that perspective, I think it's really important. 
The other challenge is with the name Passive House spelt in the English, it's very easy to get this mixed up with Passive Solar. Um, and there's a, such a big difference between Passive Solar and Passive House. Passive House is an energy standard, which is totally documented um, in terms of its performance and can only be achieved by using the software. Um, whereas Passive Solar is something that obviously, by its description, is um, something that's not arbitrary and can be quite different um, for each build in each location. Mm. In your opinion, why is Passive House relevant to New Zealand? Um, Passive House is relevant to the world. The reason why is because we all need protection for the elements. What's interesting at the moment is there's a bit of a revolution going on in the Middle East. Although energy is very cheap there, they're recognising that um, in terms of the comfort of a home, if they build to the passive house standard, they don't have to have noisy heat pumps whirring away to the extent that they are. And so even if it's 50 degrees outside, if you insulate and protect the home correctly to passive house standard, then the internal energy consumption is radically reduced, typically 80 to 90%, and you have a comfortable indoor environment. So that's something um, in the Middle East. Um, and at the moment, there's 34 countries that are building to the passive house standard. And New Zealand is no different. We have one of the most complex uh, climates for our landmass, with over 18 different climate zones um, identified by NIWA. And so each area has its own um, challenges. Auckland, for example, typically it's a tropical, subtropical climate and suffers more from humidity and potentially in the summer from heating. But it's obviously not that hot in the winter either. If you move down to Christchurch, the climate is completely different. But again, it's about protecting or insulating yourself from the environment. And so New Zealand is just as relevant here as any other country. What one piece of advice would you give to someone who's looking at either renovating an existing house or possibly um, moving in, trying to get a, a new home for themselves? What is there one single piece of advice that you could give them? Um, judging on the clients that we have, um, the internet is an incredible resource, and so I would say um, do research, find out what is going on. And the growth of um, energy efficient building in New Zealand is quite significant and it's not mainstream by any means, but it's certainly a lot of information there for people to find out about. And the other thing is don't be fobbed off. Only last month I was talking to a friend of mine who's just had a renovation done in Wellington and I was talking to him about um, what he needed to do, et cetera, et cetera, um, before he had the work done. And the builder said to him, because I said, insulate underneath a concrete pad, the builder said, there's no point. You know, heat rises, you're not going to see any benefit from that. So I wouldn't really bother. It's just a waste of money. And that's something that is, you know, that's just out there. That's what people are saying. And the science is so, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, the key is understanding how science works. Um, the other thing is, if you're exploring Passive House, then... Don't think that you can sort of do half here and half there, because if you don't understand the full picture, then things can actually work against you. Right. One, yeah, that wasn't very succinct. One piece of advice, do your homework. <laughs> and I, I think that's a key point. Uh, in, some, in some ways, I think we, we 
hold up builders. We almost treat them like doctors in some ways that we, we just trust them. And um, that's an interesting approach because I've faced that same situation where we've been looking at a design and I I think in that case I said that I, I was interested in having 140 mil uh, studs because I wanted to put more insulation in the walls. And they kind of looked at me strangely and, and said, why would you do that? Like, we've never done that before and no one does that. Um, and I kind of felt silly by even suggesting it and, and kind of quickly retreated. So, okay, we'll, we'll just do it the way you've always done it. <laughs> and, and so I imagine that it would be quite hard for a customer to feel empowered enough to say, well, actually, no, this is the way. You know, I've done some research and this is the way that I want to do it. Yes. Yeah, it comes back to design, obviously, because the builders are driven by the design. Um, but it doesn't help when a builder is looking at design saying, well, that's not going to work or I don't think much about that. Mm. It's interesting coming back to that other little uh, story is that um, now brands are strongly recommending that the whole of the concrete pad is isolated or insulated from the ground. And although it's not law yet, this is another typical. As soon as it become law, becomes law, then everyone, it just becomes normal and it becomes yeah. a non-event and people realize well maybe that's another um, i don't know three hundred dollars or something five hundred dollars but um, particularly if you're in looking at underfloor heating for me that's just criminal if you're not completely isolating the pad because you're trying to heat up the earth and sure you might be able to afford to run it now but you just locked that into that building for the rest of that building's life and it could easily be over a hundred years pretty hard to retrofit uh, insulation underneath a concrete slab that's right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, um, John. What uh, what book or website would you recommend for homestyle green listeners? Okay. Well, um, a book that's quite topical for me at the moment is a, a book entitled "Insanely Simple," and it's been written by Ken Siegel, who's worked within the Apple organization for many years. And why I'm enjoying reading this book is because. Again, coming back from engineering, that um, simplicity sometimes is beautiful. And that's certainly the driver with Apple. The chap- there's a chapter on packaging and how can they make it functional and yet you know, have that wow factor? How can they make it cost effective but at the same time do everything that it needs to do for the client? And I think um, that's one of the things that's driving us, which is why I'm passionate about it, passionate about it, to have simple designs that are beautiful, but for us, the most important thing is that they perform to the passive house standard incredibly well. And websites, um, probably a couple of websites I'd recommend, which would be the International Passive House Institute mm-hmm. and the IPHA. And I'm just, um, I'll find their website. Uh, it's, it's called Passive House, which is all one word, hyphen international.org. If you type in IPHA Passive House in Google, it will come up with it. And the other one is the local equivalent of the International Passive House Association, which is um, called fins.org, P-H-I-N-Z. And this is a charity which has been developed just to promote the building of passive houses in New Zealand. And they're both great sources of information if you want to find out more. Right. And... Do you want to give yourself and your company one more plug and how can people get in touch if they want to speak specifically with with you guys? Okay, so our website is eHouse, spelt the German way, e 
hhaus.co.nz. And we're certainly um, happy to take um, anybody on, on the journey. The earlier that people talk to us, the better. We're able to build to any design. We're talking about residential housing, but also commercial buildings as well. And um, yeah, we can give you a fixed price for the design. So you know exactly how much it's going to cost. And then also once we've established the design, a fixed um, cost for the build as well. Great. Hey, well, thank you very much for your time today, John. I really appreciate it. Good luck uh, on the journey and building that, um, or I guess servicing that demand. It's great to know that you're successful with um, and being so busy already, and I hope that uh, continues for you. Thank you very much, Matthew. I appreciate um, you inviting me on your podcast, and um, yeah, I hope that uh, that goes well, well as well. Homestyle Green, thank you. Thank you. We'll catch up again soon. Yes. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with John Eilif. Um, Very quickly, three learnings that I took from that conversation. Firstly, that factor about Germany year on year using less energy even while their GDP is increasing, um, that's that's a, a, a pretty impressive result and something that we can definitely learn from in other parts of the world. And as John mentioned, that's a combination of things like increasing the amount of solar and wind, having very high energy efficient buildings, actually testing buildings for air tightness that I, th- I would hope that we get to that stage sometime in the future. I, I think at the moment we're even just getting our heads around the fact that air tightness is something to aspire to, um, then testing for it and proving it will be the next step. Um, and also the acknowledgement that they need to work on the existing building stock as well as looking at standards for new new buildings. So that was the first one, the fact that it, that it is possible to have a good humming economy and also decreasing energy consumption. That that's a a critical split, I think. And the fact that Germany's achieved that is is very impressive and one that we could learn from. Number two, uh, John's thoughts on a 1920s house. I like what he said that um, uh, they were quite good for their time. And but we have moved on, and but our houses necessarily haven't. So we need to move on and uh, maybe. Except, except 1920s houses for what they are, take what's good from them, but also we do need to move on in, in, uh, as far as standards and our, our health, healthiness of living, I guess, uh, is concerned. And, and finally, the, the old question about cost effectiveness, and I think John summed it up really well. He said, in, in looking at the price and the, and the payback, this question about payback all the time, Really, what is the purpose of a house? And he uh, he said it much more eloquently than me. But essentially, it's to protect you from the elements. And what price do you put on that to um, get a house that performs that function really well? So that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed that. If you've got some comments, really love to hear them or either on the blog or you can leave a comment on iTunes. It'd be great to get some ratings. All you need to do is uh, jump onto iTunes and you can rate the show. That helps more people find us. And I will link up all of the links that John mentioned in the show notes so you can find those. And just finally, before we go, I made a a bit of a stuff up um, a, a week and a half ago now with the giveaway that we've got currently running. Uh, the good news is it was good stuff up because it just extended the length of that giveaway. So it's still going until the this Friday. So 
um, all you need to do to um, get in the lineup for winning a copy of Kiwi Prefab Cottage to Cutting Edge is head on over to Facebook and, and all the details are on there, but you can click a little button there and like the Homestyle Green Facebook page and you can go into the draw to win a copy of that book. Kindly donated by Pam Bell from Prefab NZ. And if you haven't checked out that episode, that was number 32. So you can head back and listen to that. Thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate your time and look forward to speaking with you again next week on Homestyle Green. 